Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Father God, we just thank you for this time, and we just thank you that we can come together and worship in truth and be in unity and spirit. And we just thank you for the declarations that was made, the words that was uh, spoken over us, and the songs that we sang and prophesied over ourselves. So we thank you, Father God, for that. And just give me the words to say that you want me to say and nothing of myself uh, this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. I am excited, nervous at the same time today. Uh, I guess uh, it comes with the territory. Um, a lot of things have not gone according to plan this morning um, or the last couple of days, I can say. One in particular. Um, if you don't know, just to give you guys kind of an update of what's been going on with me, um, I've just came off of a 40-day-plus fast, which has been... Um, very eye-opening, very humbling, a lot that I've learned and a lot that I learned that I really thought I knew that I have no clue. It's kind of like coming into realizing I actually didn't arrive in some areas that I thought I did arrive. And then it makes you feel like you're starting over, but I'm not. It's just really the Lord just doing a work in me. Um, but just to give you an update, um, just being on this fast has been challenging in itself. Uh, we're not only challenging coming out of a fast. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my brother's adopted mother passed away yesterday, and this morning my uncle passed away. So I'm dealing with two deaths um, and preparing to preach. And so I'm just hoping that everything will go well, which I know it will. Um, but it's something that I believe, like when you go through fasting, that these are sometimes the things that we are faced on the other end, and it's God seeing if we're willing to still say yes, like we were saying yesterday, um, seeing earlier, I mean. And it's something that uh, when I was telling some people that I was preparing for preaching, they are like, so you're seriously going to preach after everything's going on? And I said, yeah, because when I said yes to the Lord, I didn't have a choice of when that yes was. And that's something I've learned coming through the fast is that, there's there's nothing that we can prepare ourselves for of what we're going through. Um, and so just going on this fast the last few weeks, I kind of anticipated, okay, Lord, is what's there going to be the, the big shebang that's going to, like, try and push me down or cause um, depression or whatever it may be? And I'm just blessed that earlier this week when I got the call about my uncle, I was able to go and spend some time. Uh, with him and uh, his wife and his sister, my aunt. And we have to just spend time talking about the kingdom. And they didn't know I was preaching today about the kingdom. And so it was awesome to hear some of the things that we were sharing, all from different um, philosophical theology perspectives. Uh, I grew up in a Baptist church, so theology is a little different. 
um, when it comes to certain things, when preaching and teaching and the way they teach about getting healing is very like, well, if that's what the Lord wants to do, he'll do it, but we're not going to like hope in it. And I remember one time I was having a conversation with a pastor and he said, I'm not going to pray for someone to get healed because it's false hope. And I said, but if you're praying in the name of Jesus, then there can't be any false hope because Jesus is the source of the hope. So it's just interesting having these conversations with uh, family members this past week, and we were talking about the things that we were taught in the Baptist church and the things that we've kind of rebelled against. And if you know me, I can be kind of a rebellious person. Just ask Stephanie. She, I'm probably one of the headaches that she gets every so often because she'll try and do something, and then I'll debate or argue with her. And I just do it really to mess with her. And she's like, you're just messing with me, right? And I'm like, I don't know. You got to figure it out. And she's like, you're irritating me right now. Just like earlier, she was helping me set up the TVs. And she thought I was messing with her. And I'm like, man, if I would have thought about it, I would have. But it's too late now. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking at my notes here. And, um I was just no, um, thinking about where I wrote, you know, that my uncle could pass in the middle of this message and the fact that he passed this morning. Um, but the one thing I loved about being able to spend time with him before he passed, I had seen him um, maybe a, mo- a couple months back. I went and visited him, and it was the last time that he really could verbally interact and talk. And I was able to kind of show him pictures of everything that I was been up to, kind of scroll through my phone, just looking at all my photos, all my food. He was like, so you came all this way and you didn't bring me any food? And I'm like, you know me well. You know me well. And he said, how rude of you. He said, if, he said when I go to be with the Lord, I'm going to tell him not to let you in. I said, you can't do that. I said, I'm pretty sure that's not allowed. But if you wonder where I get my humor from, he is one of the people in the family, him and my mom. We're the biggest jokers and practical comedians in the family. And so all the time I got around him, he always made me laugh, no matter what was going on, no matter if I was having a bad day, no matter if he was having a bad day. And actually, when he uh, married his wife, she didn't realize that we were all practical jokesters. So she's sitting there looking at us when we're joking with her. And she's trying to figure out, are they serious? And he's like, we're joking. We are not those kind of people. And like the first year in their marriage, she didn't know that he was joking with her. So she would like have like panic attacks, like real panic attacks. And so she would call my grandmother and she'd be like, mother, your son is just mean. She's like, what are you talking about? And She's like, well, he said this, and she's like, now, come on now. You know he is just joking with you. And so we talked about those things this past week as I got to spend time with, with my aunt, and she was just saying, like, um, they just celebrated their 17th anniversary a few weeks ago. And she was saying that she wasn't expecting him to pass. You know, like, they were believing that they would have 20, 25-plus years of marriage and she had been married two times previously, and he had been married two times previously, and she had just outlived her husbands that had died of sicknesses and stuff. And uh, so she was just, you know, kind of reminiscing on how she met him and how they spent time together. And 
him being kind of a little old school because he had kind of been away from the Lord for a little bit and then came back to the Lord right in the middle of them getting married. And so when they got married, you all know this. When we come to the Lord, we have like this super save that like we can't do anything. We have to live in this box. And if people around us don't live in this box with us, then they must not know the Lord. I know exactly what that's like because that's how I was when I first got saved. I was very judgmental and critical. So long story short, my uncle, he was kind of very much like that when he came into coming back to the Lord. And so he was, like, very strict with my aunt. And he never, like, wavered on some of those things. Like, he would not allow her to cut her hair. She wasn't allowed to wear makeup. And she wasn't allowed to go play bingo or anything like that, um, dance or anything. And we were talking about that this past week. And... My aunt was like, yeah, that would have not flew with me. And when I'm talking about my aunt, I'm talking about my mom's sister. She is very much, like, kind of rebellious, and I kind of get that from her, too. Uh, I told her they've kind of all messed me up because they all have different characteristics that I've kind of some sort of inherited, and I don't know if it's always a good thing. <laughs> I mean, I feel like some of it is, but I feel like the rebellion is not. So anytime I have an issue with rebellion, even if it's with them, I just say, well, where do you think I got it from? Look in the mirror. And then they just say, touche, touche, touche. And then they fold. So, uh, but what I want to talk to you about today, if I can get this working, let's see. Is I want to talk about a king and his kingdom. Um, what it's really about is just the kingdom of God. It's just a fancy name. I came up with the title. Don't freak out and think it's something spectacular. Um, I mean, it is because it's the word of God, but I'm saying, like, don't get your hopes up. Um, I'm just saying. And I'm just saying, don't get your hopes up because I actually do not have any more slides besides this. So if you really want to get notes today, it's professor, um, teacher, Matt, and you're going to have to take notes and write them down and hope that I don't talk too fast because uh, sometimes I do that. So I just try to slow down. By the way, I'm doing good. I'm still on my first page of notes. Still in my introduction, praise the Lord. Um, so, yeah, God's just been speaking to me um, about the season of my life, about what it really means to be in the kingdom, what it means to... Uh, live in the kingdom, act in the kingdom, what it means to be a son, what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom, and uh, just some backstory history on some things. And uh, so uh, just bear with me. I'm a little exhausted um, from everything I'm going through, uh, but I feel like the Lord has been allowing me to go kind of go through these tests to see, like, would I be willing to stand on his word and not fold? Uh, because every word that the Cantus spoke and prophesied over was very on point. Actually, probably out of anybody that's ever spoken to my life, it was probably the most accurate and on point. Um, and what I mean accurate, it doesn't mean that if anybody in here is given a word over me today, it wasn't accurate. Um, sometimes you just may give a word and I have to go home and pray about it and figure it out which is fine because I think sometimes the Lord wants us to do. For example, I remember when I was getting prayer a couple of weeks ago, 
Donna was praying over me, and one of the things she prayed about was an orphan spirit. So in my mind, I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? Like, I don't operate in that spirit anymore. And that's not even what she said. Just FYI, she did not say that. She was just breaking that spirit off. And so as I was leaving and driving home, the Lord actually gave me a visual um, of many people throughout my life that had spoken that into my life. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that she was willing to say that and that I was even willing to, like, figure out what it meant because I didn't know what it meant. I mean, in the natural, I could just be like, oh, okay, there's an orphan spirit that I just wasn't aware of and, you know, break it off. Uh, but to really be able to kind of go deep and kind of tap it out and be like, wow, Lord, like, there was people in my life that said some things that I wasn't even aware of. And when he showed me those people, I'm, like, driving home, and I'm like, Lord, if I get an accident, this is on you. (laughs) I said, this is on you, Lord. This ain't on me. But it was, like, uh, such an open vision, and I was right there at the light at Eastwood, um, going down Lake Lansing, and I just saw like this open vision, and it was a certain amount of individuals, um, and you, some of you know them, so I'm not gonna say their names, but the Lord like allowed me to like go there and see like the things that they had said over me, um, that I received that I thought was of His word that wasn't, and um, so you have to be really careful who you allow to speak into your life and speak over to your life. Because if it doesn't align with who he is, then if you receive it, you could be walking around with things over your life that you don't even know. And uh, so, you know, I'm coming out of this fast, and here I am. I have family dying, and I'm dealing with that. And I'm like, man, Lord, like, I'm really got to deal with all this. Uh, But one thing he reminded me of is that... um, Sometimes we're praying for new anointings, a fresh anointing, next levels, um, whatever. And we forget to really realize what the weight of that carries. We're so anxious to be like, oh, Lord, give me a fresh anointing. But we don't realize what that actually entails, what the responsibility comes. And sometimes we fall. I'm grateful I didn't fold. I definitely thought about it this morning when I got the news. I'm just like, man, Lord, uh, I got a word, and I knew I was supposed to to say it today and share it. And uh, just trying not to uh, lose that earlier while you guys were worshiping because I felt like it was really speaking to me about just the joy of the Lord. And uh, I'm just glad that I didn't fold. Like I said, um, But coming off a 40-day fast, it exposes some things, it transforms some things, and it disciplines and resets us in our inner man. That's kind of what, you know, I would say I've experienced is I've just kind of experienced, like, this reset in some areas. And uh, I can't act like it has been easy. It has been hard. Uh, The first two weeks of fasting, I was ready to fold. Well, technically, the first three days, I was just like, Lord, I don't want to do this. But I knew he was calling me to a 40-day fast. And like I said, I blame this on Laura and Stephanie because out out of nowhere, they call me up. They call me up, and we're talking, and they mentioned something about fasting. 
the Lord was already speaking to me about fasting. And so I said, you ladies get on my nerves. <laughs> I'm like, did you have to call me today? Like, did you have to call me? And they're like, well, it doesn't matter when we call you. Like, it's still going to be the same thing when we call you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but you at least could have gave me a couple more days just to wrestle with the Lord before I decide to say yes. I'm just saying that's how I am. You know, that, that's just me. That's just me, you know. Um, I wrestle with the Lord. I work it out. I always lose. So I don't know why I even, I don't even know why I even think that I can win. So I don't even know why I choose that. It's just the rebellious person in me. I probably need some deliverance in that area, but I'm not sure. I feel like some of it I like purposely do because it, I just enjoy that. Uh, someone one time, they were like, so do you really like wrestling with the Lord? I'm like, no, but, and they're like, we feel like you get some enjoyment out of that. And I'm like, just a little bit, because it's kind of like when I was younger, um, children, we tend to get rebellious, and then we just, you know, instigate the situation with our parents when they're telling us not to do something. That's what I do. So I know I need some deliverance, so just pray for me. It's okay, you know? I know I'm still loved, I know it's okay, and I know um, it's a process I'm still coming out of. So uh, I know I haven't arrived with, and it's okay. Uh, but uh, this process of fasting has definitely, you know, got a lot better in time. Um, just allowing him, like I said, to show me some things, reset some things in my life. Uh, he's really, one of the bigger things is you know, I've shared about my desire to take communion every morning, and here I am feeling good. I get up, I read the word, I'm doing communion. Now I'm in this fast, and the Lord's like, yeah, that ain't enough. I'm like, I didn't say it was enough, Lord, but I just thought, like, maybe it was kind of like our thing. And he was just saying, like, no, I need you to go deeper with taking communion. Uh, it's more than just drinking some juice and a, a piece of cracker. And one of the things he was challenging me to was to spend more time experiencing taking those sacraments. You know, not just reading some scripture and then saying, thank you, Lord, for the juice and, and drink it and thank you for the body and take it, but really to tap into it and using it to really declare things over me daily, but also being able to remember what he's done for me and not just always thinking about what he's just done. Oh, you saved me, Lord. Thank you. But no, like thanking him, like, Lord, thank you that you actually chose to allow me to wake up this morning because a family member didn't get to wake up this morning. Like being able to be intimate in our devotion with him when we're taking things like that. And uh, so that was one of the things he's really been speaking to me about. And uh, these are things that I've had to just come into new understanding and as I learn and study what it means to be uh, part of the kingdom. So if you haven't guessed, obviously it's up on the screen, a king and his kingdom. And we're talking about the kingdom of God and we're talking about what it means. Um, and there's three things that I just believe that are key for us to take our rightful place as sons and daughters. And... Uh, Finally, we'll, at the end, look at a few things. We'll look at what it means to be kingdom-minded, 
kingdom living, kingdom culture. Uh, so before we get started now, we had a, you know, I'm a teacher, so I give you some definitions. So the first definition, we just kind of want to define what is a king. A king is someone who rules and has authority over a kingdom. They are to be considered of the highest of positions. And in order for there to be a kingdom, there must be people who dwell within its region. That's what a king is. Now our definition of a kingdom is it is a territory ruled by a king or queen. For a kingdom to be a kingdom, it must have two things. We already said one, people who dwell or inhabit its kingdom, and a ruler, a person, an individual who reigns over it. And then we're going to define what is people. What are people? Well, people are men, women, children of a nation, community, or ethnic group. So we are all people that are in this room. At least I hope so. Otherwise, I, there's something I'm missing. We have men, we have women, and children. So some of us represent different nations, different communities, and ethnic groups. So people can be defined by a particular group of people that inhabit an area or a place. So it's to say, to say that we are a people and we are inhabiting a place right now, which is the earth. Now let's look at what it means to be a citizen. A citizen is a legal recognized subject or national of a state or commonwealth, either native or naturalized. So we're natives of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. But we become naturalized when we are born outside of a country. You can then become, you then can become a citizen. So because of sin, we're actually born out of the kingdom of God. We can't be born into it. But through Jesus, he makes us sons being adopted into the kingdom of God when we come into covenant with him. So as a people or citizens of the kingdom of God, we are called into covenant with him. So we'll start with first. So what is kingdom covenant? Kingdom covenant comes through a relationship with daddy, with the Lord, with Abba. And through that relationship, we encounter a couple things. We encounter love, redemption, justification, and sanctification. Because Jesus is true love, he's demonstrated true love through his sacrifice on the cross and his willingness to die for people and to die for people that he wasn't even sure would love him back. I know if it was me, I probably would have been like, nope, you want me to die for some jokers that don't even know if they're going to love me back? Nope, not happening. But he was willing to take that, that risk, that chance, that calling um, that the Father gave him. He didn't question it. Redemption is defined as the act of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. It can also mean the act of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. So when Jesus died on the cross and 
rose again. He was clearing that debt that we were owed. Says in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a pole. Ephesians 1.7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. When I think about the fact that a simple drop of his blood redeemed us. He didn't have to bleed a certain amount. It was just the minute the drop bled, we were redeemed. That's powerful. In Hebrews 9.15, it says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise, eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from sins committed under the first covenant. Aren't you glad that we are redeemed? Like, if we were in Old Testament, I'm pretty sure, like, after the past couple weeks, I probably would not be here. (laughs) Aren't you glad that, like, that's not who God is today? You know, now he hasn't changed. He's still the same. But Jesus is standing in that gap. So even if God wants to do something, because we're his children, we're in covenant, and because Jesus has stood in that gap, we're protected. Now, for those that are not in covenant relationship, that is unfortunate and a sad situation because God doesn't necessarily protect those that are not his children. It's not because he doesn't want to, but it's because being in covenant with him, it's just like if you with your parents, you have benefits. So Stephanie's children, they have benefits. It's not the same benefits I would have. It's not the same benefits as other children would have. So they might get some benefits. I know I can come over and eat at her place. I know I can probably crash there for a night or two. I know her children can eat there anytime and crash there anytime. But that's not the same with every other child. And so that's the same in our relationship with the Lord. You know, having that relationship, it protects us, it seals us, it guarantees us protection. Uh, We're going through so much in this country right now. People are fighting politics and all these things. But what it boils down to is if you are not in covenant relationship with the Lord, then there's going to be some problems. And like I tell people all the time, whether you believe in the wrath of God or you believe that his grace is just poured out and we're not going to experience anything, then that's the choice that you have to decide. Um, I know I'm in covenant with him, and I don't have to worry about anything. But for those that are not in covenant, that's where we we give them a, a call, a clarion call to come into repentance, to come into covenant. Because we want them to experience the same things we have experienced. Thirdly, we want to talk about justification. Justification is something in return where we are sanctified because of it, which allows us to be redeemed. Therefore, we're able to express true love because God is love. So without redemption and justification, we don't have anything. Justification is something that God does for us. And sanctification is what God does with us. So it's two different things. It's what he's done for us and then what he's done with us. 
Justification is by grace through faith, while sanctification, like I said, is grace applied in life. Uh, Romans 3, 24 through 26, and it says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So if we're not in him, we're not justified, we're not redeemed. Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. So we know without justification, we don't have anything. But it's because of Jesus, he gives us that. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Why do we have peace with God? Because if we were not in Jesus, we're at war with God. And so because of that, he's, because of Jesus, he's given us peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of the Lord. We boast. That means to brag, be proud. No shame in our game. And I know Stephanie definitely doesn't. We know she is anywhere she goes. If I need to find her, I just listen. There she go. Because <laughs> she's bold and proud of who she is. Some of us are more reserved and quiet like myself. I can walk in a room, and it'll take five minutes before people figure out I'm in the room, especially because I can hide. I'm just good at that. I'm working on that, though. I'm working on that. Um, fourth, we're made righteous. Righteous is defined as a person of conduct, morally right or justifiable, virtuous. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So guess what? You don't have to work to be righteous. You are automatically righteous when you come into covenant. Automatic. That means even if you go home today and mess up, which I hope you don't, but if you did, it's okay because you're still the righteousness of a God. That's right. It's a gift. And it can't be taken, can't be traded, can't be lost. And while we're talking about it, this is a big controversial thing. I know we that people struggle with the teaching of once saved, always saved, and can you lose your salvation? I tell both circles, you're both wrong. Because by teaching someone once saved, always saved, you're giving them room to go ahead and be okay with making mistakes. But on the other hand, those that believe you can lose your salvation, you're then teaching people that your salvation is based on works. But it just said that we're made righteous. And righteous has to do with works. So if we're already made righteous, that means we don't have to worry about trying to perform righteous works. 
And that's a controversial statement. I've said a lot to different pastors behind the scenes, and probably every single one of them has rebuked me. And it's okay. I take the rebuke openly because at the end of the day, we all have the, the beautiful thing I love about the word of God is that we can all have our own interpretation. And there is no way that when we get to heaven, any of us are going to have a 100% perfect interpretation of the word. And when it comes to salvation, it really shouldn't matter because for me, if the word says you are sealed, then you are sealed. And if you have accepted him and you really believe in him, then your life will reflect that. And if it doesn't, then maybe there's a problem where you haven't fully committed your life to him. Uh, I was very much like that. I actually grew up in the church. I said a prayer when I was little, which that's a whole other thing I'll teach on another time, but I don't believe prayers can save us because it comes, that can be a confession that it starts, but salvation comes through a lifestyle of commitment to the Lord. And so when I was younger, I said this prayer. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm saved. Everything's good. My life never reflected any of that, not once. And so I got to Bible college. I'm at Bible college, and we had this big uh, campus crusade, like, the first week. You have all these preachers coming through trying to recruit you to their church. You know, every pastor's like, yep, you know, come be a part of my church. The Lord will bless you. And one pastor said, well, the Lord's already blessed me because I'm in his kingdom. So, you know, <laughs> and then I got rebuked. Um, but the Lord, that first week, we had a big worship concert. And I grew up in a Baptist church where you do not lift your hands to worship. Like, you just, yes, it is well with my soul. Yes, we just sing hymnals and just stand there, and there's no reaction. So I'm at Bible college, and they're singing these worship songs that I have never heard of. And um, I felt the Holy Spirit's presence for the first time in my entire life. First time. And so I'm, like, over here weeping like a little kid lost in the streets. And I was just, like, everybody's asking me, like, are you okay? I'm, like, I don't know what's going on. They're, like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And I'm, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, how? Like, I mean, I knew what the Holy Spirit was, but I didn't know because I was taught, like, not to be emotional in the Lord. So here I am encountering the Holy Spirit, and I'm hearing this message of the chaplain preach talking about what it truly means to have relationship and be in covenant with the Lord. And at the end, he was saying, you will know if you are saved if you can look back over your life and see the fruit. He said, if you're looking back right now and you do not see any fruit of the Lord, then you have probably not come into a real covenant relationship with him. And so I get back to my dorm room, and I'm just bawling. And it's like 2, 2 o'clock in the morning because we did a midnight worship service. And so I'm just like crying, weeping. My roommate's trying to go to sleep. He doesn't know what's going on with me. Like, he doesn't want to bother me because, like, we just met like two days ago. <laughs> and so it's kind of like that awkwardness of a new roommate. Like, you don't know your boundaries. You don't know what you can say or do. And so I'm, like, trying to go to sleep, and I can go to sleep, and the Holy Spirit is like, I need you to come into a relationship with me. And so I got up. I knocked on my RA's door, and uh, he gets up at, like, 3 a.m. He's like, 
what's going on? And I'm like, uh, I need to accept the Lord uh, and become born again. And so we sat and talked for about an hour just going through the word. And I love that he was like, I'm not going to pray a prayer. He said that is sometimes can be not a horrible thing, but it can be misleading. He said, so I want to take you through the word and let you just see what Holy Spirit is telling you. And so he took me through a bunch of scriptures in Romans and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and he said, right now in this moment, what do you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you? And so with all that said, at the end, I accepted the Lord. And it was a shock when I called home and told people that I had accepted the Lord and they were like, what do you mean? Like you said a prayer when he was little. And I was like, yeah, but that didn't mean anything. And they said, nope, if you said a prayer, that's all that matters. And I said, I don't think it is because in scripture it says that we are be to be transformed and that we are called to live a life pleasing and acceptable unto him. I said, I'm not talking about where I've just made mistakes. I can look back, and in that moment I was saying, I can look back right now and tell you right now that I was not saved because of every single thing that I did, and not just because of doing things, but I never had a devotion or a desire to be in fellowship with the Lord. And I said, and one thing I knew why I wasn't saved is because anytime someone talked about dying and going to hell, I got very uncomfortable, and I was angry. I would get angry all the time if someone tried to talk to me. And I'm like, why are you talking to me? I go to church. I'm saved. And then I realize I'm not, and then I find this peace, and I don't get uncomfortable when we're talking about hell. Like, hell should not be a scary place for those of us that know we are not going there. It's a scary place for those that don't know him and are headed there. But that's why we're called to be people in his kingdom, to be a light, and to reach those. Um, now this next statement I just want to literally lay a foundation for it. This may offend. It may. I, I pray it doesn't offend, but I'm sure it's going to challenge a few people. And I just ask that you just hear my heart, hear what I'm saying, and be open to what I'm saying. Um, when people ask me, uh, am I a Christian in general, I would say yes. Uh, but in an intimate setting... I would say I'm not a Christian at all. And the reason why is because the word Christian actually came from pagans. So we actually got the word Christian from pagans. They named us Christians. And they named us Christians because they said we measured our faith by works, by what we do. So this is where we find people that define the relationship with the Father is works-based instead of relationship-based, covenant-based. So that's why I don't necessarily call myself a Christian in private circles. I have uh, three of my closest friends. For the last 10 years, we do not identify as Christians. We say we're believers because that's what it says in the Word. Now, you know, in a corporate setting, you know, like, sure, Christian, you know, like, because we don't want to cause division and things like that. And I think it can be challenging when you challenge words and stuff like that. Um, but I was, uh, but for me, I've learned that it's even bigger than a title. It's a lifestyle. 
So it doesn't matter if my opinion is right or if someone else's opinion is right. Because at the end of the day, what does it all mean? It means we're in relationship, covenant-based. So if we are part of a kingdom, then that means we're citizens of that kingdom. So if we're citizens and I belong to a kingdom that is not of this world, then why would I let the world define what it means to be in the kingdom? That's all we have going on right now. If you look across all the different churches, we have many churches. I won't go too far because if someone doesn't like me that hears what I say, may start trouble and I don't got time for it. Um, Because I'm old school. I'm from the streets. I'll cut you and praise Jesus in two seconds. I'm Medea. I'm the white Medea. (laughs) That's right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm causing problems. I'm causing problems. I know. I know. I got to be a little rebellious with the mic. You can't give me a mic and expect me not to act out just a little bit. I know Stephanie's probably like, oh, Lord Jesus, how far is he going to go? Please stop right there. Don't get me in trouble. Don't get me in trouble. (laughs) I already know. No, but really, we have allowed the world to define what it means to be a believer, to be a Christian, to be a part of Christ. You know, they say, well, if you're not accepting of certain things, then you're you're not loving. Well, as hard as it is for me to say, love comes with truth. And truth can be harsh. That is the reality. It's kind of like when you tell a child not to play in the fire, and then they play in the fire and get burned. I mean, there's, I mean, what, what do you say? And I actually, my grandmother's baby sister actually died in a fire. She was jumping and jumping over it. And they kept telling her, one of these days, you're going to either get burned or you're going to fall into it. And sure enough, she fell into it and burnt her whole entire body and ended up passing away. And that's harsh and terrible and sad. But that is also what can happen to us in the world. It's just the reality. We can get burnt up with sin, whatever it may be. Um, Doesn't mean that you're actually going to die in fire, but you could. um, Because sin leads us to places that God doesn't want us to be. And sometimes it can take us into things that we don't even know how to get out of. So as citizens of the kingdom, I want you to say, I am a citizen. citizen. Say, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. God. And we are given three keys that I believe that Um, this is just part of what I consider kingdom transformation as heirs of the kingdom of God. Um, The first is dominion. Dominion is power or the use of power or sovereignty over something or stewardship or supremacy. Authority is labeled the power to enforce rules or given orders. And then power is the ability to act or produce an effect. So I believe these are three key components that the Lord has given us access to the minute we come into covenant relationship with him. And so it says, um, 
this is how it works. When we are called to have dominion over the earth, we are called to use the power we have been given through the authority as sons and daughters. Let me say that again. So this is how it works. We have been called to have dominion over the earth and use the power we have been given through the authority as sons and daughters. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It says, over all the earth. That means everything. So that means we are called to have dominion. And then two verses down, it says in Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Every living thing. That means any demonic person that tries to stand up against us, we have dominion over them. We take a power and authority and we cut anything off that they try and say or do. Colossians 1.16 it says, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. When we receive and walk in the dominion, authority, and power of God, we experience kingdom transformation, which allows us to be kingdom-minded, kingdom-living, and kingdom culture. So let's talk about what does it mean to be kingdom-minded. Well, I believe to be kingdom-minded is three things. It's based on what you think, what you believe, what you speak. And so let's just start with think. Think is what you think the effect, what you believe is. So it's important that we renew our mind with the word of God. Uh, there's a saying that I heard this old mother in the church say years ago. She said, get into the word of God so the word of God will get into you. Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Why would God say in his word to renew your mind so you can prove the will? Because everything starts in our mind. What we think determines what we believe. What we believe determines what we do, and what we do determines our lifestyle. Then believe. What, well, I just said it. 
What you believe will determine how you speak and how you live because the words of our mouth have the power of life and death. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, unfortunately, prosperity pastors had taught that in a different context that you can just get anything you want. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. The Lord gives you what he wants you to have. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't pray for him to bless you with a new house or a new car. But I will say this. For the last three years, I have not prayed to the Lord for provision. The reason why is because it says in his word that I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. And then it seeing, says in Matthew 6, that if you seek the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added unto you. So I personally, um, and this is no judgment or no challenge to anybody. This is just me personally. I never pray to the Lord for provision. I just receive. But what I do ask is that whatever he gives me, that I will be a good steward of that. That is the difference. We have to be stewards of what we are asking and believing God for. I believe that God only gives people financial abundance to those that he knows will steward that. Whether it's money, whether it's gifts and talents, whether it's opportunities, positions. For example, a few years ago, you remember I worked for a job and they wrongfully terminated me and I had to go through this whole process of fighting um, in the court system. But before that even happened, the Lord told me he was going to transition me. But he said he needed to have me somewhere that would keep me humble to see would I be able to be a good steward of the little he was giving me because he would not give me more if I couldn't steward the little he was trying to give. It says Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Then last, we have to speak it. It says, we are called to speak life over everyone, even those we consider our enemies. I know it's harsh. We don't want to say good things about people that we don't like, but we have to. Um, we're called to speak life, and it's not conditional when you are in the kingdom of God. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, we tend to use that just in, you know, what you say, but it really is. When you speak life over people, there is fruit in that. When you speak life over someone that's doing something wrong or ungodly, guess what? Because you are in the kingdom of God, and because God is not a liar, and you speak according to his word, it will manifest in their life. Maybe not in the time that we want, but it will. Second, we're going to talk about kingdom living. Kingdom living is a lifestyle that reflects the kingdom of God. It does a couple things, four things. First, it produces fruit of the spirit. Second, it transforms us to produce righteousness. Because righteousness is our morality towards man and each other with our actions. 
the quality of being morally right or justifiable. For example, we had a little doubt about the righteousness of our cause. So it, it can be that we question things, what we're doing, but righteousness in the Lord will always give you clarity of what you're doing. You'll never have to question. Thirdly, we are called to walk in godliness. Godliness is about our devotion towards Abba. Godliness is what we do in obedience towards him and our devoutness and moral uprightness. So it's the quality or practicing of conforming to the laws and wishes of God in, our, in what we do day to day. It means to be wise is to live in godliness, reflecting the nature of the kingdom of God in the course of everyday life. Next, fourth thing, we have holiness. We could say that holiness refers to our being, our character, while godliness refers to our doing and our behavior. Holiness refers to who we are, our character, like I said, uh, but holiness should be and is our devotion to God, and the state of being holy means a life of holiness and total devotion to God. You guys still following me? You tracking me? I know I'm dropping a lot. I'm sorry. Not sorry. If you say that you have a sin nature but are in Christ, you are actually declaring your old life over your new life in Christ. Because when you come into him, you no longer have a sin nature. So if you do, if you do, there could be a few issues of the following. One, you never turned away from your what you did before you came into Christ and you're still stuck in it. Or you've maybe turned back to some old ways. Or maybe there is trauma blocking you from moving forward, which is resulting in maybe negative thoughts, bad behavior, bad actions. Uh, but this ultimately leads to an unhealthy place in sin, maybe against God or against some man. When you are in the kingdom of God, you should desire to walk in his will for your life. And I'm about to step on some toes, so get ready for the ouch hallelujah. <laughs> That's what I say. Borrowed that from Pastor, Pastor Yvette, Mama Yvette. Anything that interferes with your relationship of God is not of God or from God. We cannot misinterpret God allowing something or someone as being of him and from him. God will never give something to his children that would take them away from him. His desire is to be in relationship, fellowship, and worship with his children. And then I'm probably going to make a lot of preachers and pastors in the area mad, but it's okay, I'm going to say this. The reason we are... Um, leaving what I consider the organized Sunday church experience is because we have as a body and as a people, we have become awakened to what we are originally called to, which is sonship. And sonship cannot be organized because sonship comes through 
a relationship. It comes through covenant. It comes through devotion. It comes through fellowship. You see, the world is doing what the body of Christ has failed to do. So when we see the world doing things and wondering how come they're able to do all this, it's because they're doing what we have failed to do as the body of Christ. We have allowed ourselves to really be limited uh, to what God wants us to do. But remember, the world cannot and will never be able to do what the body of Christ can do. They can be copycats and duplicates, but they can never be the original. A lifestyle is a manifestation and reflection of Jesus. So if Jesus lives and abounds in us, then we are really walking, living epistles of Jesus and his kingdom on earth. And I know people don't like that statement because it sounds like we're saying God's. But we're, I'm not saying that, but it says we are like him. So that means we have dominion, power, authority just like him because he is making us like him in the image. Lastly, uh, kingdom culture. Now, this is where I'm really going to step on toes. So if I step on your toe, you can just take it as you can be and if we need to talk about it more in private, the door is open. It says, building culture that is centered around the kingdom where people live it out loud will influence the environment around them. We are called to be change agents. So anywhere we go, because the kingdom is within us, we take the gospel of the kingdom wherever we go. Now, this is what kingdom culture is not. And here comes the, the, the negative messages. I already feel it. It is not what we do in a four-wall building. It is not a denomination. It is not a movement. It is actually not a church because we are the church. And I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to make some folks mad. It is not about financial tithing. Tithing does not determine my blessings because my blessings are not based on what I do. It's based on who I am and who you are, which are sons and daughters of God. So I don't give out of law or obligation, but I give out of a desire to give to be able to give back a portion of what Abba has given me. So it, it's a lifestyle in action. So our mission, actually, I'm going to ask this. I'm, I'm just going to, if you think heaven is your final destination, raise your hand. I know ain't nobody raising their hand because they know I'm about to mess with them, so they don't. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I don't blame you. Our mission is here on earth, but our destination is the new heaven and new earth with Abba. Not the current heaven. That's actually just temporary. So earth is our mission. Heaven is our standby. And our destination is reigning with our king in the new heaven and new earth. Now, the second part says separate, come out from among them is not looking like the world. It's a call 
because we know what it says in the, in the scripture, but it's actually a call to not be of the world anymore. It doesn't mean that we're not, like, there's no way when I come into covenant relationship that I am no longer, like, I'm still here. Like, nothing's changed. <laughs> like, I have to know and learn how to interact. So this whole looking like the world is really fear-based. Um, in reality, like I said, the world has copied the kingdom. And because in the word it says God created everything in the beginning and was good, all God is looking for us to do as sons and daughters is to take back what the enemy is trying to steal from us. And on another point, this is just side, this is my preaching notes that I don't have in here. But where it says in scripture that the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy, I laugh when, well, I won't say I laugh, but I do laugh when people say take back what the devil has stolen. And the reason why is because the devil cannot steal anything. Because in that scripture, it says he comes to. It never says nowhere in the Bible that he was successful. So why do we give him the power and believe that he has taken something from us? No, he hasn't taken anything. We have not known our place as children. And because of that, we are missing out on what God is trying to give us. Finally, we have to be kingdom missioned. We are part of a bigger mission. And, you know, that big mission says, you know, that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven through his, through his sons and daughters, which is us. We are trying to get people to follow the Father's heart by creating laws and rules instead of leading them to the Father to write his laws in their heart. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we don't create laws. What I'm saying, when we leave that as the only thing to help people live according to his word, we are missing out on the opportunity of leading them to him and letting him to write those laws in their heart. For example, you know my story. You know what I've came out of. Um, I never had a preacher or a mentor or anybody ever point out in my life what I was doing wrong. But what they did do was point me to the Lord. They always encouraged me to grow in my relationship and come into learning who I was as a son. And because of that, it freed me of many things. So whether, whether there's laws or no laws, it doesn't matter because the thing is, what we're doing wrong, if it's me or somebody else, it's going to be fixed when I come into a relationship with the Father because he addresses it. You see, we're trying to solve kingdom problems with man's solutions. And the only way kingdom problems are solved is through the Father. When you have a heart for the Father, you become free. Therefore, a law or rule doesn't matter. It does matter, but it doesn't. So just hear what I'm saying. Because if I have a heart for the Father, I am going to do what is righteous, godly, and holy because I've been transformed and redeemed. And because of that, it produces those things. So we're trying to fix the world problems with world solutions, but it takes the kingdom to solve the world problems, and it's not through just laws. 
those are a stepping stone but aren't the only place. This next thing I'm going to say is really going to make some folks mad. So, Stephanie, I'm, I'm sorry for the phone calls you're probably going to get for this. So, the five-fold was never called to be limited to a four-wall building or an organization. But they were all called to the nations. So, majority of the church has this belief of a local church for apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds, and portion of the whole body. Well, if I told you there's no such thing as the local body, because if you are a prophet, then your calling is not just to a building or organization, but it's to the world. Whatever mountain you are called unto, it's the world for the Lord's glory and for edifying of the body, not just for the body. See, we've misinterpreted scripture where it talks about, and he's given. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Nowhere in there does it say it's just for the body. You are called, if you are called to be a prophet, you are called to be a prophet at your workplace, in your neighborhood, Whatever God has called you to, that is what you are called to wherever you go and whatever you do. We are called to equip for service. That's what it says. What is service? It is the mission of our whole existence here on earth, is to help employ his kingdom here on earth. This doesn't mean that we're not to build each other up, but it does mean to help each other be built up for service, which is what we're called to do. So, for example, I'll use myself because I'm always talking about everybody else. Okay. So, I know I am called to be an apostolic teacher. And uh, I looked it up, what it means, just to give some clarification. It says an apostle can be someone who goes and builds and sets systems and things in order. So, on my job, that is exactly what I do. I am there to build a particular part of the whole organization or the body and develop systems and process in place. So I've talked a lot about the kingdom of God, talked a lot about what it means. Um, so I hope today that I've shared some things that will challenge you to come up higher in the Lord and think, see, and live like a citizen of the king. We are in a crazy world, a world that is not our home. We're just passing through as old gospel song says. God has chosen us, prepared us, and has sent us to do his will, not ours. With everything you have heard today, whether you agree with me, whether you disagree, or you thought I was stepping on your toes, I hope, if anything, that the Lord speaks to you, is speaking to you right now, and continues to speak to you, because the Lord wants to use every person in this room, everybody listening to this, for the kingdom of God. But he cannot use us if we are not willing to receive the calling, the mandate. And if we receive it, he will prepare us for the calling 
and we will be empowered to go forth. But we have to know who we are. We must know that as citizens, we have come into a covenant relationship with the one true king who has given us authority, dominion, and power to be rulers on the earth for the kingdom. We are to talk, walk, live, and establish the kingdom wherever we go. So we are kingdom-minded, kingdom-living, and we are building a kingdom culture for his glory. So I invite you to just find yourself planted in the Lord. When you are planted in the right place, you grow and experience the fullness of God. And also, you are able to come into the fullness of who Daddy has called you to be. And I'll end it on my favorite scripture, which is what is on this shirt under this sweater that you guys got me for my birthday. Uh, Psalm 1-3. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he will prosper. So if you plant yourself in the Lord and stay planted, no matter what's going on, turmoil, death in the family, people getting sick, people losing their job, people saying all sorts of things about you to you, behind your back, if you just stay planted, whatever the Lord calls you to do, you will be prosperous. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.